point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows beautifully will also reap beautifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work as it is written. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. He is righteous and endures forever. A news report came to my attention a while back regarding a serious threat to a church in Arkansas. Here's the news clip. Little Rock detectives arrest and charge three suspects with the robbery of a church congregation Sunday. Reverend Elmo Johnson from Third Baptist Church describes the fear of being robbed at gunpoint, but says he finds comfort now that it's all over. Little Rock Police Chief Stuart Thomas says, this is a significant event. Being robbed in a church is extraordinary. You don't typically see this kind of boldness and cruelty. Reverend Benny Johnson with Stop the Violence also shared his disappointment regarding this church robbery. The house of prayer is a place of worship where you praise, glorify, and magnify the name of Jesus Christ. But we have individuals going around and robbing a church. Well, indeed, this is a terrible crime, but one of the passages that we're going to be focusing on this morning describes another robbery that's taking place among God's people. Please turn to your Bibles uh, to Malachi chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. If you're not familiar with Malachi, you don't read there much, it's the chapter just before the New Testament, right before Matthew, just a few short chapters there. Malachi Chapter 3, verses 6 through 11. It says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore you, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. From the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you say, How shall we return? Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? In your tithes and contributions. You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you, so that he will not destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. This morning is the second teaching in our series on giving. Last week we talked about the basis for giving, and this week we're looking at the practice of giving. And once again, if you're a guest here, uh, this is directed at the congregation mainly, okay? This isn't a way for us to coerce money out of you, so please feel free to just to relax and take this service in, learn. If the Lord compels you, then fantastic. And so the first thing that we must establish here 
is how the commands of the Old Testament apply to us, if at all. What does it mean in verse 3 here in Malachi chapter 3 where it states that the Lord does not change? As Christians, we are an extension of Israel. We are the children of Jacob. And all the commands of the Old Testament are not wiped out for us just because we are part of the new covenant, the Christian church. Jesus said that he did not come to abolish the law, but rather to fulfill it. And so, God's opinion of murder has not changed. God's opinion of adultery has not changed. God's opinion of how we treat the poor has not changed. God doesn't change. The only thing different for us today is that we have Jesus available for a sacrifice for our sins. In the Old Testament, God demanded that Israel keep all his laws in order to be saved, which was impossible. And that's why they were looking forward to the new covenant. That's why they were looking forward to the Messiah coming, so they could come out from under those Old Testament laws, so they could be saved fully. But just because we don't keep the laws of God that he instituted regarding money in order to be saved, it doesn't mean that we disregard those laws after that. Many of us think that God was mean and greedy in the Old Testament by requiring all these tithes and offerings from Israel. But now he's changed, and he's nice, and he's letting us keep most of our money. The principle is still the same. While we order our lives in obedience to God, we are blessed. When we don't, we are not blessed in that particular area. And so the first practical issue that we must look at this morning is that of tithing. Tithe just means a tenth. And so it's the practice of giving a tenth of your income to the Lord. Should I, as a Christian, automatically give 10% of my income? Well, first, let's look at what Jesus said about the issue. Because some people say to me, well, if Jesus told me to tithe, I would do it. Well, turn to Matthew 23, verse 23. Here Jesus is chastising the Jewish leaders because of their legalistic tendencies. He says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of law, justice, and mercy and faithfulness. Now listen. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And so what is he saying here? He's saying that these religious leaders tithe, gave 10%, all the way down to the most insignificant thing, the spices that they had. But they were disregarding the weightier things. They were disregarding law and justice and mercy and some of these things. And so he doesn't say, forget about the tithe. What he says is, these you ought to have done, meaning practicing justice and mercy, but then he goes on to say, without neglecting the other, meaning tithing. But have you ever noticed that when Jesus is dealing with those who would try to pin down a list of things that they needed to do in order to earn favor with God, he always goes beyond the command and gets at the heart issue. For instance, regarding adultery. 
He told the crowds that even if they looked upon a woman with lust in their heart, they had committed adultery with her already. And so it was with the tithing issue. Jesus goes beyond the law, and he gets at the heart issue of people. He's basically saying, let's bring this whole giving thing up a level. A couple of instances of this. When the rich young ruler comes to find out how he must be saved, Jesus sees this connection of his heart with his wallet, and he tells him to give everything that he has to the poor. Not 10%, because he knows that his riches are connected to his heart. In fact, one of the greatest indicators that's mentioned in regards to Zacchaeus' salvation was that he was willing to give half of his goods to the poor and also pay back seven times anybody that he had wronged. And why did he offer to do this? Is it because Jesus pulled out some Old Testament law about the rules of giving? No. It's because he had been saved. It's because he was overwhelmingly thankful. Why did Mary, the sister of Lazarus, take a flask of perfume that was worth a year's wages? <laughs> Think of that, a year's wages. The, means, uh, the mean uh, wage here in the United States is around $50,000. Think of that, $50,000 and poured it at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> Did she do that because she had studied her Old Testament laws and knew that she should give to the Lord? No, it's because she was so grateful that the Lord had saved her and raised her brother from the dead. Her heart had been touched. If we want to look at an actual example of how Jesus was pleased with somebody's giving, then we have to go to the story of Mark 12. This is the story about the widow in the temple. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those contributing in the offering box, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything that she had to live on. I want you to notice something here about her. She put into a corrupt system. Some people say, I'm not going to give to the church. They're a bunch of hypocrites. Bunch of people that are living with jet set. By the way, I don't own a private jet or anything like that. But there's some bad examples, right? Of people doing that. These are the very people she's giving to, that Jesus is criticizing the most. And the point is, you're not giving to people, you're giving to the Lord. That's who you're giving to. Tithing is something that I have done for the last 30 years, which is how long I've been saved. I was even giving tithe on the 80 cents an hour I was making in the barber shop in prison. We didn't have an offering there in the chapel, but there was a church locally that I was listening to their radio program. And I was sending eight cents an hour in, which is probably about 12 bucks a month. And I'm sure this church secretary is like, who's this weirdo sending $12 a month over here? It's not worth my time. 
And the main reason I do it is because I'm thankful. Not because I have to. But I also recognize that in my flesh, in my sin nature, I have the desire to spend everything on me. And I need to set parameters called spiritual disciplines in order to not do that. We need to do that in many different areas. We need to do that with our time, with our Bible reading, with our church attendance. All of these things, we need to set spiritual uh, disciplines because we're prone to wander. (laughs) We're prone to wander. One of the the principles that we see in regard to this that the Lord set for us is the issue of margin. Margin is something that's set in paper so that you don't write all the way to the edge. Have you ever known weirdos like that that write the whole, they fill up the whole entire thing right to the very edge? It's difficult to read, right? It's not pleasing to read. And so God has set margin in our life. In fact, he did it himself when he rested on the seventh day. That was an example for us to not fill up your life completely. Don't spend all your money. Leave some margin for me. And so that's one of the reasons that we do that. Because as people, we tend to want to fill up our lives with everything. Now also we move on to the second practice here regarding giving, which is the principle of first fruits. Consistently throughout Scripture, God declares that he wants the first of our increase. He was pleased with Abraham because he was willing to sacrifice his first fruits, Isaac. In Exodus 23, it says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. But God, we've been starving all winter. Don't you want us to eat the first fruits? And so, one of the practices that I do in order to follow this principle, is that's one of the first bills I write each month. And by the way, that's how I treat it, like a bill. Because it's a part of my practice that I do every single month. In other words, God doesn't want your leftovers. And the reason he doesn't want the leftovers is because that's not what he gave us. He gave us the first fruits. He gave us his son, Jesus. He didn't just have some random leftover thing that he created and throw that down there for the sacrifice. He sent his best for us. And so he deserves our best. He deserves our first fruits. And when he receives them, he causes the rest of our income to be blessed. Many of you might be sitting here right now today and saying in your minds, well, Scott, You don't know my finances. We're knee-deep in debt, and me just throwing $20 into the offering plate is a big step each week. And I would say to you that maybe the reason that things are so bad in your finances is because they are not under the careful watch and blessing of the Lord. You haven't given of your first fruits, and so the rest can't be blessed by the Lord. But to that you might say, well, Scott, I thought Christians were blessed no matter what. And in one sense, that's true. In regards to your salvation, you are blessed, even though you're sinful. Based on the shed blood of Jesus, you have an inheritance of eternal life in heaven. 
But each day, you also have choices to make regarding how you're going to submit yourself to this new Christian life. No one in their right mind would smoke three packs of camels a day and then claim that God was going to supernaturally keep them from lung cancer based on the fact that they're saved. Right? But people think like that in regard to money. They think that God will bless them even though they don't care at all about the biblical principles that are set forth in Scripture. Next we see here that in our passage in Malachi, it's not just in regard to tithes that the people of Israel were robbing God. It was also in what's called the contributions. The contributions back in those times were extra gifts that people would bring at specific times as need had it. So they would bring those extra contributions. In the book of Acts, we see something similar to this. We see that people brought offerings before the disciples there, the apostles, but then there were special times when somebody had an extra need, and people would gather together to the point they would even sell a field, an extra field they had in order to provide. And those things come up now and then in our congregation here, don't they? In fact, we just had one a couple of weeks ago. Caitlin stood up here, and Caitlin was our youth director for many years, and she has transitioned now into a job with Young Life. And with that job, she needs to raise funds to support herself. That's how Young Life works. They're not tied to a specific church. They are, you know, based on all the people's givings that they know. And so she gave us an opportunity to give contributions towards something that she needs. And who better... <laughs> To, you know, it's not like just some random missionary that we don't know and whether they're shady or not. This is Caitlin, who we've been watching for over a decade work with our kids. And so I encourage you to step up and consider those things. Or maybe it's a special project here around the church. Maybe you specifically notice, why don't they do something about that thing? That, 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 that urinal's been broken down in the men's bathroom for over two years. Somebody needs to get on that. Maybe you need to get on it. Maybe you need to have a special designated fund, the second toilet of the urinal in the downstairs boys' bathroom fund contribution, right? But we have to be careful a little bit about these contributions because sometimes people get so specific in it like that that they try to control the church, right? There's a story of one This happened in a church back in Minnesota. One woman was disgusted with the fact that they had used the red hymnals for so long, the traditional red hymnal, and she was so disgusted that she put a special contribution to the new blue hymnal fund. Well, the congregation hadn't even decided if they wanted to switch to the new blue, you know, and so here's this money that was sitting there for a decade for the blue you know, hymnal fund, and she was trying to control it. Maybe you don't like the carpet. Maybe you want the purple carpet instead. And so you donate to the purple carpet specifically fund. Okay? Contributions, they will come, as they often do in church. And the Bible says, when people ask, we give. And Caitlin stood up here and she asked. And so I would encourage you, right out the door here, to the right on the table there, there's information about how to give and support Caitlin on a monthly basis. That's what she's asking for. In conclusion here this morning, those young men who robbed that church in Little Rock, Arkansas, they had their day in court before an earthly judge and most likely spent some time in jail because of their crime. 
But when we rob God, there is a different consequence. The results, as we see in verse 9 here, it says that there's a curse on your finances. When you rob God, your finances are cursed. But do you know that God wants to bless? And bless just means the best of something. God wants to give you the best. He wants to bless your finances. And in fact, he calls you to test him. This is the only place in the Bible where it says that we should test God in regard to something. Test me and you will see that I will pour out the blessings from heaven upon you so that there will be no more need. It's a test. Test God. Be faithful in your giving and see what happens. There were times for me, this is not always easy. I had my barber shop and I was the only one working. Mary was at home with the kids and we were homeschooling. And I would go to work and some months I'd be like, we're not going to make the mortgage this month. Because we were living hand to mouth in a small business like that. And we're like, Lord, I'm still going to give no matter what. And the Lord, I'd have like a busy Saturday or something would happen where, uh, you know, an income came in, something extra. We have never, ever in my last 30 years of this had any need that we couldn't meet. The Lord has provided in every situation, has blessed us beyond measure. And so I'm going to challenge you. Not, not because we're trying to extract a bunch of money from you, right? Because God could just, you know, this happened at St. Ansgar's. We were going along and we were like, okay, get in town toward the black or, you know, the red a little bit. And we're like, okay, how is this going to work? And then somebody out of the blue that had been to our church once, like 20 years before, and was impressed with the ministry that they were doing before I was even there, they left a land grant to St. Ansgar's that right now today is worth $3 million. And so God can just, you know, do that kind of stuff. But that's not typical. Typically, he supports his church through his people because he wants to see if you'll be obedient and you'll focus on the relationship that you have with him. And so my question this morning to you is, would you rather rob God and have 100% of your income to spend on yourself and then be under God's curse or live with 87% of what you make and be blessed by God? Right? We want to see the devourer rebuked in your life. And this isn't just this principle, by the way. This is over all the things that are taught in Scripture. If you want God to bless your marriage and your sexual life and all of these different things, he's given us guidance so that he can do that. I've seen this principle work amazingly in the lives of God's people. But I need help because I'm naturally greedy. I need to structure my life in such a way that it honors the things that I know are the right thing to do. And if you struggle with this area, like I'm sure that many of you do, I've actually had people come to me from this church and say, I don't tithe. I don't really give. You know, I don't know what to say actually in those moments. Okay. 
I'm actually, and by the way, it's not like I sit there and go down the list of all you guys who are giving. I don't see the financial reports. I see like the general, how much is coming in, but I don't see the individual ones. And we've structured that in such a way to protect me and to protect you. Because as a human being, if I see that you're not giving, I'm going to want to judge, right? And think less of. And so you don't have to worry, the pastor knows, (laughs) he's coming around with a bill at the end of the year. No. By the way, there was a Catholic priest in Minneapolis that would do that. He'd just go around and give you a bill every year. Here's what you owe. <laughs> We're not going to do that. And so we have an opportunity to confess our shortcomings. And today's a good day to start. Okay? Today's a good day to say, you know what? I'm going to test the Lord this year and see what my finances look at. I, I would challenge you. Write something down like, okay, this is how our finances are this year. And then come to me again next year at this time and tell me what happened. That'd be a great testimony, wouldn't it, for the screen up here? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Lord, we are sinful human beings who are prone to wander. And Lord, I know that many are in financial difficulties in their lives. Many are struggling. Some are students. Some are just starting out, Lord. I pray that you would help them to get a hold of this principle so that they would be open to the blessing that you want to pour out on them. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for tuning in to this sermon series from Elam. If you are encouraged today, would you consider supporting our online ministry through a financial contribution? Personal checks can be made out to Elam Lutheran Church and sent to 11504 26th Street, Northeast, Lake Stevens, Washington, 98258. Or you can give online at elamlutheran.net Thank you and may God bless you the rest of your day.